the resurrection alive in the human heart. Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 7, gives the powerful narrative of the resurrection of our Lord. So welcome to this celebration, the celebration of the resurrection. He is risen. He is risen indeed. So grateful that we can have this time together. The most important events for the Christian faith, the crucifixion and the resurrection, were real historical events. The most important historical events. The resurrection of Jesus took place at a real time, perhaps A.D. 33, in a real place affecting real people, just like you and me. So today I'm not asking if you believe in the resurrection, but I certainly hope you do believe. Research reveals most Americans do believe in the resurrection of our Lord. In the 2020 State of Theology study, by LifeWay Research, uh, the, the research found that 66% of Americans believe the biblical accounts of the physical resurrection of Jesus are completely accurate. So the question with more urgency is not do you believe, but how does your belief in the resurrection change the way you live today? On that well-loved German Lutheran theologian, uh, Wolf Pannenberg, observed the reason some people choose not to believe in the resurrection. And he said, many people choose not to believe in the resurrection because if you believe the resurrection actually happened, you would, you would actually have to change the way you live. What an incredible reminder of the power of the resurrection. So there are two realities to embrace this morning. First, the resurrection is a phenomenal event that is indeed true. It is fact. Second, embracing the truth of the resurrection truly changes the way we live. So let's look at the first. The resurrection is indeed true. There are at least 10 occasions recorded in the scriptures of personal eyewitnesses to the resurrection uh, with those individuals numbering well over 500. Let me share 10 of these with you. Jesus appeared first to Mary Magdalene as recorded in John 20 verse 14 and then uh, we see that recorded in Mark 16 as well. Uh, a second reference of his appearance is found in Matthew 28. Uh, he appeared to Mary Madeline and to the other Mary. A third reference of his appearance comes from Luke chapter 24 and is even referenced in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Jesus appeared to Peter. A fourth reference of his appearance, post-resurrection appearance, is recorded in Luke chapter 24 as he appeared to Cleopas and to another disciple at Emmaus. A fifth record of his post-resurrection appearance uh, is to the 11 or more strictly the 10 apostles at Jerusalem. This is recorded in Mark 16 and Luke 24 and John chapter 20. A sixth reference to Jesus' post-resurrection appearance is to the disciples, five named and then others, by the Sea of Galilee. This is recorded in John chapter 21. A final appearance, uh, actually there are a few more I'll give you. Uh, a seventh reference to the appearance of Christ after the resurrection is to the eleven on the mount in Galilee. This is recorded in Matthew 28 and Mark 16. An eighth reference would be to the 500 brethren, possibly identical to the 1 Corinthians 15 reference. A nine, ninth reference to the post-resurrection appearance of our Lord is to James, the brother of our Lord, in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 7. And then finally, a tenth reference to 
to the post-resurrection of Jesus and his appearance there would be to the eleven at Jerusalem before his ascension. This is recorded in Mark 16, Luke 24, and of course, Acts chapter 1. Now, I share these ten specific references with you, and there are many more that could be numbered. Because from these real-life episodes of Jesus' post-resurrection appearances, uh, we are challenged. So let's turn to one specific encounter to fully understand how the facts of the resurrection uh, affect human life. So we're we're reaching into one of those ten appearances I've, I've referenced. And we're going to just take a moment to look at the facts of the resurrection and how they certainly impact human life. Uh, we, we look at the appearance to Mary Magdalene as recorded in Matthew chapter 28. In verse 1, this is what we read. After the Sabbath, at dawn, the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Mark 16, verse 1, describes that same encounter this way. Mary brought spices that they might anoint Jesus' body. Consider what drew this woman, Mary Magdalene, to the grave, to the tomb of of Jesus where his body was laid. No doubt, endearment drew her. You see, from the life of Mary Magdalene, Christ had cast out seven demonic uh, spirits. Changed by his great mercy, she exemplified devotion as one of the firmest of his followers. This endearment was of no small making as she chose a very courageous path to the sepulcher that day. There was no fear of being identified with Jesus and no fear of repercussion should an association be made between her and those who were in authority over Jesus' sentencing death and burial. Endearment has this way of promoting that which is otherwise quieted or remains hidden in times of difficulty. Mary went to the tomb openly at first light. This was Mary's life that morning. But in contrast to what Jesus said, that when he had proclaimed before all of his followers that on the third day he would rise again, and that's referenced in Matthew 17, Mary approached the tomb with the embalming agents to respectfully observe the finality of his death and resurrection. She had heard the truth. She knew that Jesus had said, I'll, I'll raise again in three days, but she came to the, to the tomb with, with her, her truth she had heard suppressed by her grief and loss. She had heard the promise, but she saw the burial place. She saw that he was dead. But she would soon learn that the resurrection proved everything Jesus had said before. So for us, we must remember that the resurrection confirms all that Jesus said and all that points to him as God's son. On that morning, Mary's spiritual experience was expanded from an experience with him to an understanding that his truth endures forever. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. And so one fact of the resurrection in Mary's life is that the resurrection confirms all the truth of Jesus. But a second fact of the resurrection that impacted Mary certainly impacted all the others who saw him as well. But we were focusing on the 28th chapter of Matthew and the appearance Jesus made to Mary. So the the second fact of the resurrection and how it impacted Mary's life is seen in how the resurrection revealed God's presence. 
Now, to really understand how God's presence was felt that morning, we reach over to uh, Mark chapter 16, verse 2 and 3. And this is what we read from that uh, companion passage of the resurrection. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, verse 3, and, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? The question Mary asked was, who will move the stone for us so that we might continue with our respectful treatment of the body of Christ? This question opens the narrative and the human context to the power and the presence of God. God shook the earth and the very power of the life of Jesus was manifested as the stone rolled away. The language of the text proves that this was not an earthquake of a seismic nature. Rather, the earth shook at the entrance of God's hand, the exiting of death's power, the denouncing of man's authority, and the presence of the eternal life in Christ Jesus walking out of the tomb. There is much to be said of God's presence on the day of the resurrection. God's presence was quieted when Jesus cried from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, after the Sabbath had been totally silent, the temple empty, and the streets of the holy city vacant, God responded. His presence was felt in creation, and the world shook. His presence was announced through the entrance of an angel. His presence was confirmed as the soldiers fell down as dead men. His presence was seen as Christ walked from the tomb. And his presence would soon be established as the church would birth under the presence of the Holy Spirit. So, yes. A second fact in Mary's life concerning the resurrection is that the resurrection revealed the impact of God's presence. And there's a third fact of how the resurrection affected Mary's life. The resurrection transformed her perspective. The resurrection transforms our human perspective. Now we look to uh, another companion passage of, of, of the resurrection. John chapter 20, verse 13, announces this. When she arrived at the tomb, they asked her, woman, why are you crying? She said, they've taken my Lord. And I don't know where they've put him. The visitors to the tomb had the initial perspective of what usually happens. Most of us are conditioned just to believe that what will happen usually happens. In Mary's mind, there is a death. There is the application of the spices the next morning, followed by the morning, proving that all of this seemed final. One's perspective becomes conditioned by the reality of what one normally experiences. But a change in perspective says... And Mary heard it that day, come see where they laid his body. He is not here. Mary came with her expectations of mourning and the announcement that hit her ears on that quiet morning in such a powerful way. Look at where he has been laid. He's not here. The perspective changed from this is what normally happens to my Savior lives. Jesus said, I came to give you life. And to give it to you more abundantly, perhaps we have reasoned too many times this is just the way it is. And should instead look at the resurrection. The resurrection can transform human perspective. 
A final fact of how the resurrection impacted Mary's life. The resurrection moved Mary forward in faith. This is very important. And we go back to Matthew chapter 28, our initial text for this morning. And in Matthew chapter 28, verse 7, this is what we read. Then go quickly, the angel said to Mary, and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. Mary came as a mourner and she left the empty tomb as one on mission. Don't mourn your circumstance. Be one who goes forth as one on mission because of the resurrection. The angel said, go quickly and tell the disciples he's going ahead of you. This announcement said that in response to the resurrection, there is something that the follower of Christ will be privileged to do and to become. He's going ahead of you to do something phenomenal. There's an exciting road ahead and the resurrection doesn't preach passivity, but activity. The resurrection says, come join Jesus on what he desires to do through you and in the world. The resurrection moved Mary forward in her faith. So we have considered the story of the appearances of Christ after his resurrection. And looking into one of those episodes with Mary Magdalene, we discovered how the facts of the resurrections were alive in her. The resurrection confirmed the truth of Jesus for her. The resurrection revealed the impact of God's presence. The resurrection transformed her human perspective. And the resurrection, oh yes, it moved her forward in faith. The resurrection is indeed fact. One of the great literary minds of the last century, and I would say this century, and he was a contemporary to C.S. Lewis, who... who on whom he had profound impact, uh, is, is J.R.R. Tolkien, the creator of The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. Tolkien said this concerning the death and resurrection of Jesus. He said, there is a kind of story, and remember, this comes from a literary mind, there is a kind of story that brings us unbelievable joy. He says these stories always have a certain kernel to them. There's always some incredible hopeless situation and victory is snatched right out of the jaws of that defeat. But how, Tolkien writes, always through someone who comes in and whose weakness turns out to be strength, someone whose defeat turns out to be victory. He says, it, he says it's those kinds of stories that just seem to bring us joy. He calls these stories a eucatastrophe. Do you know what the word eucatastrophe means? Only Tolkien could do this. This word simply means the joyful catastrophe, the tragedy that turns out to be a triumph, the sacrifice that turns out to bring joy. He said, however, there is a eucatastrophe of all stories. There is a story above all other stories ever told or written. Tolkien says that the gospel story is the only story that will truly pluck the heartstring so that the whole heart never stops reverberating and vibrating with joy. The reason it will reverberate is that this is reality to which all other stories point. It happened. It really happened. Tolkien continues. There really is a hero who defeats the villain. There really is Jesus. The word gospel means joy and, and good news. It's real. And when you hear the story, you have to have that joy. Thank you, Tolkien, for reminding us of the 
You catastrophe, the catastrophe of joy, the death of Christ that has brought life to all who place their trust in him. So the resurrection is fact indeed. So this most certainly leads us to this second thought. The first, the resurrection is fact. But second, the resurrection literally changes the way we live. As we close, I'd like to share with you seven verses from scripture that prove that the resurrection changes the way we live. First, Isaiah chapter 25, verse 8. He will swallow up death in victory and the Lord God would wipe away tears from all of our eyes. Because of the resurrection, death no longer has the last word. If your faith is in Jesus, you receive abundant and eternal life. His resurrection has swallowed up death in victory. Second, Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastisement that brought us peace was laid upon him. Because of the resurrection, sin does not have to rule you. And the brokenness by sin does not have to define you. The punishment that brought us peace was laid upon him. The resurrection announces you can be at peace with God for eternity if your faith is in Christ. Third, John eleven twenty five through 26. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And everyone who believes in me shall never die. Because of the resurrection, you can have life to the fullest. He who believes in me, Jesus said, will never die. The resurrection announces you can know full and satisfying and abiding life through Jesus. And there's a fourth reference that you, uh, proves the impact of the resurrection on our life. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Because of the resurrection, we have a living hope. He's caused us to be born again to that living hope, a hope that cannot be held back by anything in this life and cannot be held back by death itself. We have a living hope. A fifth reference to the impact of the resurrection on our, on our lives is from Romans chapter 6, verse 4. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too may walk in the newness of life. Because of the resurrection, all things in your life are made brand new. We too may walk in the newness of life. A sixth reference on how the resurrection impacts us is Romans 8.34. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, and more than that, who was raised and he's at the right hand of God interceding for us. Because of the resurrection, you can know that you are not condemned. Your life is of infinite value. Who condemns you? Jesus said, no one trust him. There's no condemnation for those who trust in Jesus. And seventh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 17. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. But because of the resurrection, your faith is more valuable than gold. So trust him now. Trust in him. These are seven references from God's word that prove the impact of the resurrection on our lives. In a Wall Street Journal article, we read an interesting story uh, concerning uh, the, the apologetic for the resurrection. George Weigel gives a combination history lesson and apologetic with what he's observed in the fact that Christ has been raised. And this is what he wrote. 
There is no accounting for the rise of Christianity without weighing the revolutionary effect on those seeming nobodies of what they call the resurrection. They encountered one whom they embraced as the risen Lord, whom they first knew as the itinerant Jewish rabbi, Jesus of Nazareth, and who died an agonizing and shameful death on a Roman cross just outside of Jerusalem. But then Wagle quotes N.T. Wright and says, but, but this makes it clear. The first generation answered the question of why they were Christians with a straightforward answer because Jesus was raised from the dead. As they worked that out, their thinking about everything changed profoundly. I love that statement from George Weigel. Those first century Christians, and N.T. Wright added that statement, they, they gave the answer every time they were asked, why are you a Christian? Because Jesus has been raised from the dead. And this morning, I know that our minds are on this special day of celebration, and we, we recognize that Christ indeed has arisen. He's risen from the dead. And, and I pray that you've seen these true, two truths up close and personal. The resurrection is fact. And the resurrection changes us. So I pray today that you're living by the truth of the resurrection. I pray that you're not doubting or guessing. That what God says is true is true. Because it is. And all that God has done in and through Jesus Christ has been confirmed in the resurrection. And Christ ascended. He's at the right hand of God now interceding for us. And one day he'll return. And I pray that your faith is placed in him. Today, thank you for joining us for this Easter celebration. I pray that you're excited about celebrating the resurrection, not just today on April 4th, but every day that you live. I pray that you are living life. You're doing life as an Easter person, as a resurrection person, because when our faith is in Jesus and because he uh, arose from the grave, our lives are changed, never to be the same again. I pray that you know him. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus, the scripture tells us clearly, that if you confess with your mouth, he is Lord. And if you believe in your heart that God's raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. I pray this morning that your faith is in Jesus, that you've trusted what Jesus has done on the cross and that you're not relying on your good works or you're not relying on what someone else has said. I pray that you are truly trusting in Jesus and in what he has said and in what he has done. He has risen from the dead. And he's interceding for you right now. This indicates that he desires that you come to know him through, through faith in, in what he has done, through faith in him. Trust Jesus today. Confess him as Lord. Ask him to forgive you of your sin. Commit your life to him. This is not about religion. This represents a relationship. Trust him today and know the Savior who is risen, Jesus Christ, our Lord. There is a website location on the screen. Uh, reach out to this location if you can, because we would love to respond to you concerning what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. And if your faith is in Christ and, and you're struggling in your walk with him, we would also love to hear from you because our desire is to simply encourage you. Today is an incredible day. Enjoy time with your family. Enjoy time uh, celebrating the greatest truth ever that Jesus has arisen from the grave and live impacted by that truth. I love you a lot. Thank you so much for joining us for Easter. There are some exciting days ahead, but I pray that today 
your heart is quieted before God and before Jesus. And I pray that your life is stirred with excitement to live for him. Jesus has risen. He has risen indeed. I would love to pray over you and your family. Father God, thank you for this time you've given us in your word. Thank you that we are are together today to celebrate that Jesus is alive. And Father, we've seen these two very simple applications of how the story of the resurrection should be alive in our hearts. The resurrection is true. And when we know the truth of the resurrection, it changes us. So Father, I pray that we all are impacted by the announcement that Christ Jesus has risen from the grave. God, thank you for speaking to our hearts. Thank you for this special online Easter service today. And and God, I pray that uh, you'll allow us to live, that your strength and your spirit will carry us forward to live as resurrection people. Father, I pray for that person who doesn't know you. And Lord, maybe they're struggling with what to do in their life. Lord, draw their hearts to you and help them to see the love that is poured out through the resurrection, through the cross, through the empty tomb. Your love drawing us to yourself. Thank you, God for this moment of celebrating the truth of your son, Jesus. And we offer this prayer in the name of Jesus, our Lord. And together we said, amen. Hey, thank you again for joining us for this Easter celebration. Have a great afternoon with your family. Enjoy time together. Keep your eyes on Jesus. I'll see you next Sunday. God bless. Love you a lot.